Hi, I'm Jennifer Gassich. And my name is Mateusz Benko. This is the Let's Talk Ecosystems podcast. From activists to entrepreneurs, leaders to practitioners, we will learn how young people are making a positive change for our planet. In this series, we talk with change makers who are taking action to restore and protect nature as we move forward in the United Nations decade for ecosystem restoration. Mateusz, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. What about yourself? Not bad, thanks. I came across this interesting term the other day, climate action army. Have you heard it before? No, but it actually sounds quite scary. Hmm, good point. Listen to this quote and tell me if you know who said it. The climate action army led by young people is unstoppable. They are larger, they are louder, and I assure you they are not going away. And I stand with them. On behalf of this and future generations, I urge you, choose ambition Choose solidarity and choose to safeguard our future and save humanity. Who do you think said that? I really know, but it sounds quite powerful. Hmm, Think of the head of the UN. It has to be then uh, Secretary General, Antonio Guterres. Exactly. Spot on. He said it at last year's COP26 event. Incredible, isn't it? Powerful words. Indeed. And young people are playing and they need to play an enormous role in the climate change action. Exactly, and safeguarding our future is an enormous task. I heard that ecosystem degradation is dangerously escalating the loss of biodiversity and compromising the well-being of more than three billion people. I really hope it won't happen actually. Mm-hmm. You know, there are many powerful actions that we as citizens of the world can take for the benefits of the ecosystem restoration. Mm, True. Well, today we are really excited to talk to our guests, and uh, they're going to tell us a lot about how we can restore our ecosystems. So welcome to our friends, Anne-Catherine Neureuter and James Obata. Welcome, guys. So great to have you. Hey there. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for the, the warm and inspiring welcome. Yeah, great opening, Jennifer and Mateus. Well, we need you here today because it sounds like there's a lot of work to be done, and especially uh, now that we're in the UN decade on ecosystem restoration, and you two are the ones who can answer all our questions. Mateus, why don't you start us off with your first one? Surprise, surprise. The question is going to be about UN decade of ecosystem restoration. Please tell us. How shall we understand it? What is that decade about? What are the goals? Yeah, thanks, uh, Matthias. I mean, um, first of all, uh, the UN decade on ecosystem restoration sort of uh, poses a direct challenge to me as a communications manager. Um, Because when you hear a UN decade on ecosystem restoration, well, it's, it's a long title. And for many people, it doesn't sound really urgent. So when I first told my friends about taking this job, you know, they were like, yeah, lucky you, you got 10 years, you know, I have to publish my next book in six months, but you got 10 years. So a decade that that sounds like um, splendid, really. And I think what we really need to do is to communicate the sense of urgency, because this decade 
the timing from 2021 to 2030, it's not a coincidence. It's actually the timeline that scientists have given us a few years ago with their report saying this is the last time frame we have to uh, protect a million species from extinction. And it's also the last time frame we have to achieve the 1.5 degree climate change prevention goal or even the 2.0 degree goal. And as we all know, those goalposts and targets are moving further and further away. And uh, and so this is really the time for action. And if you think about it in this context, 10 years is actually not that long. And we're already one year into the decade. So there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do for everyone. But there's also very encouraging signs that more and more people want to join the generation restoration movement and want to find out what they can do. So tell us exactly how this idea came about. So the UN decade on ecosystem restoration was first proposed, as I recall, by a coalition of countries first rallied together by the then environment minister of El Salvador. But soon and sooner, more parties came behind that idea. And it was actually then adopted by the UN General Assembly um, with with a large amount of um, countries behind it. So it generally raised a lot of enthusiasm and it showed this was an issue where for one, the world wasn't divided. And everyone agreed that this is something that had to be done and that provided a lot of benefits actually for countries and for people. If you think about the green jobs that can be created um, through restoration, if you think about the investments that come in, because it is a topic that actually inspires action and not um, anxiety, which is a bit a big luxury for me as a communicator. Um, because um, it is not about going out there and telling people what they should not do, as it is with a lot of environmental topics, but it's actually calling upon people to to get active and to do more and more for us um, to bring back nature. And getting coming back a bit to your question, um, so so then after the resolution was was passed and adopted in the General Assembly. Um, the UN Environment Program and the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, so UNEP and FAO, were tasked with leading on the decade with uh, UNEP really taking the lead on on communication and advocacy and FAO taking the lead on monitoring and, and best practices. But we also soon realized that this task of restoring all of Earth, all ecosystems, so not only forests, but really from the top of the mountains to the bottom of the sea, is a task that's too gigantic for any one or even two organizations to take on, be they UN organization or anyone else. So the way we approached it was really by building this big movement and this coalition where everyone from schools to to churches, individuals, but also large organizations um, could be a part of. We now have more than 150 individual organizations that are officially part of the UN decade, ranging from the World Bank, UNESCO, very big organizations to really ecosystem implementers on the ground, but we have also galvanized a movement of hundreds of millions of people who are joining the action wherever they are. Thank you very much, Anne-Catherine. That's fascinating. I wanted to ask James about how he came to be involved in this work and how FAO is connected 
to the UN Decade on Ecosystem Restoration? Uh, actually, I started in FAO uh, in a completely different division. I was actually in the um, information, uh, information di division of FAO. And I had the opportunity to be part of the UN Decade. And of course, I jumped at it uh, because I think what's happening with the UN Decade is that we're really pushing real life um, case studies. We're actually showing success stories. And so what for me, the big difference there was that we're uh, not just sort of talking the talk, but we're walking the walk. We're showing how actual initiatives, how different uh, movements are making a huge difference in ecosystem restoration. And for me, that was a huge game changer. It really meant that we're, um, to <laughs> Anne Katrine's point is that we're, we do have the, you know, the 10 years until 2030. However, we're making sure that we're really making uh, inroads now and not just sort of waiting until the very end. Um, so it's been a great ride so far and we're really looking forward to making a lot more progress in the next eight years. I heard you, James, well, thanks a lot for those answers and then thanks to you, Anne, as well. Uh, I wonder, how can we actually explain what is the UN decade to a regular person, to a kid even, one might say? What would be those easy words you could choose to actually explain the goal of the decade? It's a good question, and I guess it depends how old the kid is. Um, so to make it a bit easier for me, I guess I, I would think of like maybe a nine or 10 year old and and maybe, I mean, depending on the situation where we add, if we're in a garden, for example, I would start the conversation that um, that we as humans were actually not apart from nature. We are a part of nature. If we look around um we see um, how nature is supporting us. All of our food can be um, tracked back to nature. The water that we're drinking can be tracked back to the mountains that are surrounding Nairobi, for example. I mean, it's, it's the basic conversation about the birds and the bees that you need to have with kids at some point. And if we um, keep on cutting back our ecosystems, for example, and we go for the beautiful golf course lawn that doesn't have any flowers, for example, what should the bees eat and, and where will the honey come from and um, where, how will they help us produce our food? And so basically the whole idea of ecosystem restoration is going back and, and bringing back the ecosystems that support us because we know now we have to protect what we have left. We have to protect our remaining wilderness and forests and oceans, but we are at this point where we have actually destroyed so much that there are a lot of beautiful actions that we can take um, to bring back what we have destroyed. Those are very true points. I have a 10 year old and, I, and I'm gonna have that discussion with, about the birds and the bees. Actually, I've had them many times, <laughs> but thanks for reminding me. Um, getting back to you, James, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about how everyday people like me and our listeners can take action to really help build this global movement? What can we do? Give us some concrete actions we can take. Uh, yeah, that's a really good one. Because of course, uh, we really want people to continue on a personal level to do everything from recycling, to opting for alternative energy and transportation. Um, 
but maybe more importantly, right? We want people to push for better legislation, for a lot more regulation of harmful practices. Um, and we know it's possible. For those of us old enough to remember, there actually used to be lead in our gasoline or petrol. Are we moving fast enough? Considering how slow we've been, are we moving fast enough now? It may be or it may not be, actually, because uh, to be very honest, in the UN decade, one of the most fundamental questions we have to answer right now is, are we moving at all? How fast are we moving? Where are we moving? What vehicle are we moving in? Is it a bicycle? Is it, you know, a huge Jeep? Because at the moment we're at a state where A, the UN Decade on Ecosystem Restoration does not have any overarching goals yet. So we need to solve that. We need to put our goalposts in place and say, okay, where do we actually need to be by 2030? I mean, right now, the strategic goal is to, to halt and prevent and reverse the degradation of ecosystems in all ecosystems across the planet. And that's, that's a really big and lofty and inspirational goal. But in order to measure our pace, we have to get down to the numbers and we have to say, okay, but how many hectares of forest is that? How many kilometers of rivers is that? How, how, how many coral reefs are that that we really need to protect? Excellent, thank you. One might say that it's pretty sad that we need to talk about a restoration and not preservation. Uh, I think that also requires a bit of reflection. Can you also tell us what is what makes it different this decade from the other activities that UN does? That's a great question. There are in fact dozens of other environmental initiatives out there. Uh, and uh, we like to say that ours is firmly based in reality. Uh, to be blunt, we're highlighting successful programs that are already making a massive difference at a significant scale. Um, in other words, what we did is we're shedding light on some incredible initiatives that you may not even know about. Um, which are going to be, in fact, the top 10 world restoration flagships, which we'll be uh, announcing later this year. Uh, we are also, we are 100% transparent with an online gateway to track the amount of funding that we're receiving and where it's being applied. Um, in addition, we have numerous task forces which cover best practices, monitoring, youth involvement, science and, and innovation. I guess what I'm trying to say is that we're not just like a pie in the sky dream. We're basing our movement on concrete outcomes and pointing the way towards really a sea change of legislation. And the pun is very much intended there. Just to add on to that discussion, I wanted to know a little bit more about the key messages that you think really resonate with everyone from young people, you said the kids, you know, nine to 10 or what have you, to generations, uh, you know, uh, all the way down the line. What are your key messages that you use? I'm sure it's not easy to use data, statistics, all these things that you mentioned, quantifying things. I'm not sure if that resonates with the, the larger public. So what do you do? What's the key here? I mean, that brings me back to maybe the, um, the conversation we had earlier um, in this discussion. Uh, it's communicating um, this urgency, but in a positive way, so that there's basically 
never been a more urgent need to revive damaged ecosystems than now. But at the same time, we are the first generation and the last generation that can make peace with nature. We are really those change makers. And that's why we selected the hashtag uh, generation restoration that we're using for a lot of our work. And we define generation restoration as really everyone being alive right now on this planet. We are all generation restoration independent of age and we can all take actions. I'll have to agree. I think one of our biggest challenges, in fact, is educating the general public. Um, we have what we're affectionately calling mom messages now. And this all came from a conversation I was having the other day with my mother about the UN decade. Um, she was asking me what my job was. And as long as I was talking about rainforests and eliminating plastics, she was totally on board. But then I started explaining carbon sequestration and her eyes just glossed over and she said, uh, you lost me at carbon. So what we do, do need to do is we need to make sure that we're communicating our efforts in a simple and non-technical manner. Something that, for example, all, all of our mothers would understand. So what we're doing is we're working on a set of infographics and messages based on current research to tell our story, but in a very straightforward way. Um, I think the, the end goal there is to show that yes, tree planting is good, but other measures can really achieve even better results. And we're trying to use hardcore statistics to prove our point. Speaking of connecting, I'm gonna ask this question to both of you. How can young people in particular get involved in the decade and what can they do to participate and really make a difference? from both UNEP and FAO. We do recommend that you go ahead and follow our top two uh, youth representatives. And that's Mario Galbert and Hugh Bratna. Um, and they're a wealth of information and are really there like these turbines of activism. We'll leave all of their links and contacts in the show notes. But um, I think to, to get back to that point, what we're trying to do is create a sort of a groundswell of enthusiasm. So something kind of like back in my day, uh, UNICEF. So in other words, UNICEF really cut across the board in terms of uh, corporate involvement, school involvement, youth involvement. And so it came to be that in fact, when you say UNICEF, it already solicits a certain reaction, right? You know, you know what UNICEF is about. We want to achieve the same sort of status and notoriety of that with the UN decade. Yeah, and to add to that, I mean, while we really want to mobilize that action and channel that enthusiasm, we also don't want to be a gatekeeper. So there's only so many emails I can answer a day, and I cannot answer every single email of every single young people that wants to get involved. So what we also try to do is having that decentralized approach. Um, we're right now building a digital hub where um, in the future you can go look for your city, look for ecosystems you care about, and then find profiles of organizations that are already active in that way and how you can support them. You can either volunteer with an organization that's nearby you, or you can you can support or donate to an organization that's maybe in a rain working in a rainforest um, very far away from you that you feel passionate about. In addition to this, we are also always trying to put out very practical tools uh, to show people how can they 
you know, Google use other search engines, uh, find out what's going on in their area and what, what are actions to take that make sense. So we have the ecosystem restoration playbook, and it would be great if we could pop a link into our show notes. Um, the ecosystem restoration playbook is really aimed at individuals. It shows individuals depending on the ecosystem they care about or where they live, whether it's rivers or farmlands or peatlands, uh, what they can do in practical manner to raise their voices, to make sustainable choices or to take actions. And then we also have a great tool for those that are a bit more like a step ahead that don't just want to take individual action, but that want to team up and really become activists. And um, that's the community organizing toolkit that was developed by our partners IUCN for the UN decade and that really shows community groups how they can get active and right now we are in a really interesting process of also talking to faith groups and faith actors around the world so we are having conversations on spirituality ethics and values for ecosystem restoration so it's not faith in a narrow sense in terms of religion but how can we all restore our faith in earth and these conversations are leading to a handbook of how to work with faith actors. So once you went to the ecosystem restoration playbook or the community organizing toolkit and you've taken your action and, and you had your successes, maybe it's this year, maybe it's next year, sometime during the next 10 years, there's also an opportunity to get recognition for that, to get recognition for what you're doing for the environment. So every year, the UN Environment Program tries to launch our Young Champions of the Earth Round, uh, which is the UN's biggest recognition for really young people fighting for our planet. Uh, you can apply for something you're doing for ecosystem restoration or different topics and then get recognized. But what you can also do if you're still unsure what you want to do for this planet, you can also head to our Young Champions of the Earth website. We'll put the link in the show notes and you can, you can get inspired by all the action other young people have taken before you. Thank you very much to both of you. It's been a great pleasure to have you with us today. I'm certain that the listeners enjoyed the conversation we had, and I'm pretty sure that they also got few answers, at least, to, to those questions that we all have. Um, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. It's been fascinating. It sounds like we have a huge task, very daunting task ahead of us, but you've shown us that we're doing something about it, a and B, we can actually get involved. And I think that's the most important thing. We're empowered. We can do something. It's not too late. So uh, I, for one, I'm going to be looking out for those digital hubs and I'd like to support my local um, groups, communities that are involved in ecosystem restoration. And I'm sure Mateus, you too. Yeah, definitely. So I'd like to also thank our listeners. Uh, I hope they've enjoyed the show. And don't forget to review us as well and talk about us on social media using our hashtag Generation Restoration. Thanks, guys. Lovely to be here. Thanks, all. Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the United Nations Environment Programme Europe Office and the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. 
the first season of our Let's Talk Ecosystems podcast has come to an end, but stay tuned for season two in 2023 as we deep dive even further into how young activists and entrepreneurs are taking action to preserve the planet. Are you an activist, change maker, and environmentalist with a story to tell? Well, you could be a guest on one of our 2023 episodes. Just go to our show notes and click on the www.decadeonrestoration link to share your experiences because we want to hear from you.